to the Live to Shoot podcast. I'm Jeff Dowell, and I've been a uh, licensed firearm dealer for 13 years. I'm passionate about supporting our Second Amendment rights, and in this podcast, I'll talk about all topics related to the Second Amendment, as well as I might flip in a sports story or a movie update as well. Welcome to episode 39 of the Live to Shoot podcast. It's Sunday, uh, September 20th, and been a good weekend so far. It's been beautiful here. The sun did uh, well in his cross-country meet yesterday. The Stars won the first game of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is huge here, or at least for me, and possibly shot an armadillo last night. Can't find the body, but I'm pretty sure I got him. So they continue to destroy my yard, and I am at war with them. Wife and I went on our date night last night. saw the movie Infidel with the... You know, from Dinesh D'Souza put that together with uh, Jim uh, Jim Caviezel from Passion of the Christ and, oh, I can't remember the show he was in. But uh, really good. Really good. Highly recommend it. Really powerful. About powerful show. It's about a uh, Christian blogger who gets uh, kidnapped by Hezbollah. It's based on true events. I haven't gone and looked to see yet exactly what the true what the the true story is behind it. I don't think 100 percent accurate, but it was inspired by a particular story. But I haven't gone and looked at it looked it up. I'm curious to see because it wasn't a really interesting story. So here we sit on Sunday, you know, and as I sit and try and figure out what I'm going to talk about in my podcast each week. It, sometimes it's, I have a lot of things. Sometimes I don't have anything. and But somehow something always pops up. And boy, did something pop up this, um, the last few days. And when I say things have just gotten real, they are real. This election is now on. And the importance of it is even more so with the, the passing of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Friday night, I believe. Um, and leaving a seat on the Supreme Court open. So we all, I think we always suspected that, you know, that her seat would be the next one that would become available. She's been battling health problems for a number of years. She's, she was 87 years old when she passed, been in and out of the hospital. But she is, you know, she has fought and you have to give her credit that, you know, she was determined. She came to work as as much as she could. She kept going. And I really, you know, I think, you know, you know, she wasn't ready. She didn't want to give up her seat until she thought that it would be uh, filled by somebody that shared her same ideology, which I don't agree with. But so now here we sit and the debate begins. Do we try and fill it before the election? President Trump has said he will. He's ready to send a nominee to the Senate. He has proclaimed that it's going to be a woman. And, you know, I think Amy Coney Barrett and Barbara Lagoa are the two that everybody's talking about as being the, the prime candidates. And it'll be very interesting to see how the Democrats approach the nominee. You know, they're going to just try to do everything they can to destroy him. But, you know, how are they going to approach from a, a female perspective? Are they going to go after them the same way they did with Kavanaugh? I doubt it. But but so what are they going to try and do? You know, find that they lied on their college application. Who knows what it is? But I think their true colors will come out. Barbara Lagoa is another interesting story because um, she's uh, Cuban. So now she also brings in the minority aspect of it. And we'll get to again see how 
how they they uh, potentially handle her if she's someone that's nominated. I you know I don't know much about either one. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I know that Amy Coney Barrett was um, one that was strongly considered. I think before the Kavanaugh selection was made, and so she's been on the short list for a while. And I think if this had potentially been a something that happened in his second term. She may have been the actual one. I think that's probably who he'd probably go with. I think from an election perspective, Barbara Lagoa, it might give him a few more points and with her minority background. But we always knew that this seat would be opening and that this election was critical for it and that uh, a lot of things are at stake with this election, including this seat and what this seat represents. So when you take Justice Roberts and the way that he has been voting, he is really more on the left side of the court lately. So right now with the vacancy, the court is at a 4-4 split and this seat can will be the tipping point in most decisions. And so we need to get Trump reelected. We need to get this seat filled by a strong conservative either before the election or shortly thereafter with a Trump victory. Now, I think it's going to be tough to get it done before the election. Just the time frame. I don't think the Democrats are going to want it. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, supposed last words were or final wishes was that the seat didn't wouldn't be filled until we had a, a new sitting president. Um, of course, that's what she wanted. That's what she's been trying to, you know, delay any retirement talks because she wanted to make sure that her ideology would be continued on with, the, with the, her replacement. But, you know, we could be in a constitutional crisis with this election as well. The, there's a prospect that the Democrats, if it is a loss. They're going to take it to court. They're going to protest. They're going to riot in the streets. And almost, you know, from the anarchy mutiny standpoint and take it, you know, potentially hold it to the court. You know, there's the the complications with the, all this mail-in balloting and what that could uh, result in, in in terms of decisions having to go before the court. So I think there are a lot of reasons why we want to get this seat filled before the election, because I think this election may rent, uh, be similar to 2000 with the uh, Bush v. Gore and be going before the Supreme Court to decide something. We will fit. We will see. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch these, but then when you now get to what this podcast is about, our Second Amendment rights, oh, it's so crucial, you know, especially, you know, one, the why this election is so important, Biden, the Harris-Biden administration, as now it's being called, and by even Biden and Harris themselves, they are not, they have both either admitted or made slips that it's going to be a Harris administration, not a Biden administration, but they are coming for our guns. And our Second Amendment is seriously in jeopardy. Biden has no respect for it. Uh, Harris definitely has no respect for it. And this Supreme Court could potentially be hearing either reviewing new laws that are trying to be implemented, new restrictions, new bans in place. There's still some out there that are waiting to be heard. So it's just ever more critical that we protect our amendment and get out and vote. So if you are planning on voting, 
and you're a gun lover, vote. You, this is an election that so many things can turn on. The economy, our, uh, our protection, our, our national security, and the just overall direction of our society it looms on this election. And then also this Supreme Court seat is critical to that. So I am going to start leaving you with the words from Joe Biden himself. So listen to this little compilation of a few quotes from Joe Biden. Who in God's name needs a weapon that can handle a hundred rounds? For God's sake. I think we have to, in fact, have universal background checks, eliminate assault weapons as a being illegal to be sold or owned in the United States, as well as uh, limiting the number of bullets that can be in a, in a clip to 10. The tragedy that results from the wide and easy availability of guns with firepower that overwhelms our police, of weapons that have, in my view, no place in hunting or sport, and whose only function, only real function is to kill human beings uh, at a ferocious pace. Was the assault weapons ban effective? It was effective in the sense that there were fewer mass shootings that occurred, so I think it reduced anxiety considerably. gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. Well, there you go. That's in his own words what he's going to do if elected and regarding our Second Amendment rights. So uh, just keep that in mind and I'm going to continue to remind everybody. So that's it. Have a good weekend. And like I always say, you know, if you like this podcast, hit the subscribe button, uh, rate it five stars, share it with your friends, put in the show notes, my contact information, please start following me. Uh, new, there's a new video social media out there competing with YouTube, uh, Dan Bongino, I don't know if you follow him, called Rumble. So um, I'm on Rumble. I haven't posted any videos. Don't know if I will, but check out Rumble as well. Again, we got to fight against these tech, tech giants and continue to get our word out there. So have a good week and I will talk to you next week.